0: BJ Smith, and this is the Tech Media Podcast, live inside Internet Summit. This is a podcast where I'll bring you on the inside for a close-up look at Internet Summit Raleigh, including live interviews with speakers and guests during the event. We'll talk about what's hot in the digital industry and bring you advice from the top experts. Day two of Internet Summit, this is Jeffrey Colon of Microsoft.
1: No, you've got a good radio voice. So, uh. well, I think like a lot of us um, who podcast, maybe we, maybe we, maybe we haven't done this, but I did college radio when I was in college. Oh, Okay, and um, I was a communications major, so it's like I think it's I think it's funny because you look at media. If you're into media, you're probably and and you're also into technology. You're probably into a lot of the things that you know we get to talk about at like these events and if you haven't evolved that's totally fine as well but i mean radio to me is like the oldest of old media but it's not see the thing is everyone's like oh it'll die i think it'll just i think it'll just morph into something totally different that we haven't even imagined yeah because you have a lot of you had a lot of consolidation for years in the respect of like you know lot I should say Clear Channel, not Live Nation because they split, split them off. But, like, Clear Channel bought up a bunch of stations, Cumulus did. I think what you might add, end up happening is they might sell some of those off to local ownership. And then local ownership might figure out, you know, hey, how do we actually do local programming again to make it relevant? Because that's I think that's what terrest- what made Terrestrial Radio interesting. And then podcasting can take sort of a global appeal because y- you can listen anywhere on et- using a variety of different apps. Um, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts that are obviously, uh, that are like produced out of Europe just because it's, I'm just curious to see what p- people's points of, points of view are right. from that side of the world. So
0: that's one thing I have not done, you know, over the past, um, by the way, I'm recording. <laughs>
1: oh, I, you know, it's <laughs> a good thing, I guess. I, well, honestly, I, I
0: started recording just for the sound check and, uh, so when you were talking, it was interesting. So I'm like, I just let it roll. <laughs> um, I guess when I first got into podcasting I started listening to like uh, while well, I was running running podcasting mm-hmm. and then I wanted to do a little bit you know beef up my knowledge on my career which is marketing so I listened to more marketing podcasts and then then Serial came out and you know everybody and who's anybody is who talking about Serial I'm like this is insane I I'm I'm watching the news talk about a podcast yeah and um, that sent me down a, an entirely different rabbit hole of This American Life and Ted Radio Hour and Radio Lab and all these other like really highly produced products, the Gimlet shows yep. and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, it's really kind of changed the way I look at podcasts. It,
1: I think it's funny you bring up the serial observation because I remember – well, I think one of the things that's make podcasting actually so popular is the barrier to entry is a lot lower. So in 2006 – when I first started to podcast myself, you still needed it. I mean we're sitting here, you have a MacBook Pro, you have two high quality microphones looks like you have a switcher unit it's, you know you it's the barrier is a lot lower than what it used to be you Absolutely. almost you almost needed to have um, you know full studio equipment, which is what made it so difficult now I mean depending on the quality that you want. I mean, I was recording a podcast last night on my iPhone using the Spreaker app. Right. You know, I mean, is the quality good? It's not bad, um, but you could do it anywhere. And, and I think reporters probably enjoy those types of applications because they can record in the field, which changes the um, sort of the point of view of how podcasting works. But, I mean, it's really, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in, like, the next five years based on what's happened over the last... You know, over the last 10, I mean, you have popularity, I think, like you noted, This American Life and a number yeah. of other um, high-quality shows. I mean, I know that The Wall Street Journal did a lot of podcasts. I think you'll actually see more media get into it. I know BuzzFeed is really into podcasting right now because um, they're still trying to figure out, you know, what's the best way that they, you can serve up content, and I think in the fragmentation of media, you can't forget the audio side of the spectrum because right. we're a mobile society we move around we probably are going to end up driving less in some communities because we're uh, because of urban redevelopment and that allows us to sort of use this uh, i guess this on demand model that works so well
0: right it was uh, it was in new york city where i discovered uh, note to self and um hmm, there's one other podcast but it was interesting because I was doing so much walking while I was there, yeah. and it was easy to just pop the earbuds in, let me find a new show to listen to, because all my regulars, I've, I've listened to those already, those episodes, let's find something new. <laughs> um, and yeah, and you know, commutes to work, I listened to uh, Startup on the way into uh, the show today. Ah, um, yes. Well, they, <laughs> the recent episode of that talks about Gimlet and what they go through to produce an episode or create a new show. Wow. And um, it's intense, and it's great. So I've, I've listened to that episode like three or four times now because that's kind of my, my backup for inspiration, I guess. But tell us a little bit about your show.
1: Yeah, so um, I started it in 2012. It was called um, – what did I – I guess I, the title changed. It was Disruptive Innovation FM, which is sort of a uh, you know a play on words. Um, and then I just I just sort of shortened it and called it Disruptive FM, um, and it was it's mainly a it's a weekly show. It's 22 minutes, which I think is the sweet spot for podcasts. Right. If you look at analytics, that's I think the most that people want to listen to a, a show. That might actually change depending, I think, on on the content that you're doing. But 22 minutes was was sort of the was the um, the time segment that worked, and we talk a lot about business that most of the business media does not talk about. So, if you tune into CNBC or Fox Business or Bloomberg, you know they may talk talk a little bit about um, emerging companies, but they're probably not going to talk about them unless they're listed on NASDAQ, right? Yeah, yeah. Or they're you know they're publicly traded. Um, we try, you know, I try, I try to sort of look at companies that are you know, true startups. What, you know, what are they doing? Where are they based? I mean, there's a lot of startups, obviously, outside Silicon Valley. Seattle's got a great startup scene. New York City has a great startup scene. I think even here in Raleigh, you'll probably find around many uh, universities now, startups are, are starting to happen. I went to Ann Arbor this past year, and I was amazed at the amount of businesses that were there. Austin, another big place. Pittsburgh, because of Carnegie Mellon. So you're gonna you're gonna find more of these companies because they can set up in the cloud, which is a wonderful thing, um, and they can be anywhere, worldwide. Um, you know, went to Europe last year and, and met a number of startup companies that were based, you know, from Sweden to Germany to, you know, to Israel. So there, I think I think that's gonna change the dynamic of business, and that's what we try to talk about and really look at companies that are trying to. I think take over legacy company models because that's a fun, that's a fascinating thing to watch. I yeah. mean, if um, you know, if you look at the lands, the business landscape, there's there's always companies cropping up trying to sort of take market share from other companies. But I I don't think that's the reason they they set themselves up. I think the reason they set themselves up is because they have a solution to provide, and some companies. That might have a legacy. Don't don't want to provide those solutions. So that's what we. That's mainly what I look at and what I talk about, and you know, social media and um, how that affects um, startup culture, and and then of course I bring a lot of uh, real life examples in the music industry. I, I talked about the advertising agency industry. I've talked about politics in terms of how communications works when you look at when you dissect movements like Occupy Wall Street or. Um, Black Lives Matter. I mean the communication is all decentralized now and that's something I think a lot of startups have realized which is what which allows them to grow at a faster rate compared to this sort of top-down model that you see at, at a lot of big companies.
0: So you're, you're, is any of this actually being translated into your talk today? So your talk is about disruptive content marketing. Yep. How much of that is related?
1: Uh, quite a bit, actually. It's funny that I, I, you know, the podcast, um, really actually sprung from another podcast that I did when I was at Ogilvy and Mather. Um, I had a coworker, Gemma Craven. I think she's now at Universal McCann, um, good mentor of mine. And we, we had a podcast at Ogilvy. We talked it was called like the Wednesday word on social. And, and every week it was a, it was like a 12 or 15 minute podcast, we talked about what was happening in the world of social media. And I just sort of said, hey, I'm going to spring off and, and do my own in addition to that. And that that's almost become a franchise in some respects. I have a book coming out in 2016 uh, called Disruptive Marketing. Um, it's probably the longest subtitle ever. <laughs> so it's Disruptive Marketing, What Growth Hackers, Data Punks, and Other um, Hybrid Thinkers can teach us about navigating the new normal that's a that's a that's a mouthful um, <laughs> but um, i that so that book's coming out and 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 I really try to talk about you know how to think about uh, creative destruction in terms of how we approach marketing uh, that's one of the things that I do at Microsoft around the search advertising products. Because we play second fiddle to another company, so you have to always challenge the bigger uh, players out there by doing things a little bit left of center. And that's what I'm going to talk about today with uh, with the, the attendees. Um, you know, how to really look at things differently. I think we have a tendency of really getting caught up in technology and platforms. And if we think about it, business really is about people. But we don't really think about that in a lot of respects when we approach business plans. We sort of dissect data not realizing well what's data made up of it's made up of people action right you click on something you get data but there's a person behind all of that you know we we don't understand the context of why people take actions um, so I'll go a little bit into that and I think also we have a tendency of thinking about that people make rational decisions especially in business and that's not always the case I mean, uh, I think there's a statistic that 70% or 67%, quite a high number of people in the B2B world actually make decisions based on emotional relevance. So we have a large industry that still makes uh, sort of marketing materials based on utility, but there's no inflection of, of emotion. Um, that has to come out a little bit more, I think, with companies, whether they're selling analytical solutions or, or selling the latest application. What's the reason that people want to use it in this sort of world of abundance now you have a, mm-hmm. a, a number of, a, of products that you can use what's going to really make you connect with with a company and want you to use their solutions ultimately it's the people that work at those companies and how they approach you and how you connect with them and I think that's something we have to get back to in in marketing that we got away from for a, a long period of time uh, which is people centric marketing. All right
0: Jeffrey Colon of Microsoft thanks for hanging out with us today. Thank you. <laughs> tech media podcast inside internet summit. Be sure to subscribe for more great interviews.